The following message was given at Grace Community Church in Minden, Nevada. Well, take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I've been harangued, I've been harassed, I have been needled to uh, just go home and rest. I get it from all corners, but I'm, I'm not going to start listening now at this stage in my life. We're going to begin reading at verse 18. I did tell Ariel I'd preach shorter. For you've not come to a mountain that can be touched, and to a blazing fire, into darkness and gloom and whirlwind, into the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words, which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word would be spoken to them, for they could not bear the command, if even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of trembling, but you've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, and to the general assembly, and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to sprinkled blood, which speaks better Then the blood of Abel, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. Amen. You may be seated. Before we pray and ask God's help as we look at this, this text, I want to just say two quick things. The first is that... Um, I love um, being with the saints in Zambia. I love worshiping with them, um, preaching to them. But honestly, there is, there is no place I'd rather be than right here. And uh, it, it actually is just... Um, so I'm emotional because I'm on drugs For my teeth. <laughs> but it's really, it's, it's great to be back home. And to be, you're, you're singing. You'll, you'll see on the 18th, the Zambians know how to sing, all right? Um, but I miss it when I'm gone. And I miss, I miss you. And so... The other thing is, I was really hoping, Daniel, that you would have gone into a little more detail in Colossians 2, 11 to 13 and explain a little bit more of the baptism stuff. You, I felt like you were rushed. <laughs> Every time you looked at me, I thought, is this a test? <laughs> well, let's pray together. Father, how we thank you for for the songs that we sing, 
the words that we confess, words of truth that we read and hear, how we thank you for the baptisms that we've witnessed. Father, it is a testimony that Jesus saves. And it's our prayer this afternoon that you would help us to look to Jesus, prepare us for the supper. Father, we pray for those who are here who maybe are without Christ, maybe they're a young one. We pray that even today would be the day that you draw them to your son. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have an open invitation to come to Jesus. Jesus says, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. That is an open invitation by the son of God. Come to me. And most of us have come to him in repentance and faith. And most of us have found him to be exactly as he said he would be. But how often should we come to him? Just once at the beginning of our conversion? My answer is no. We go to him in repentance and faith every single day. And here's the beauty of it, is that every time we come to him, we are just as welcomed as we were when we came to him that first time. And when we come to him, whether it it is 10 times a day, 100 times a day, or 1,000 times a day, as we come to the Son of God All of the benefits that he has purchased for us are ours every time we come to him. He will never upbraid his child and say, you know what? You were just here 15 minutes ago. I gave you some grace then. Learn to stretch it out. He will never do that. And so as we come to this passage, there really, there are so many benefits when we come to Jesus, but there's just two that I want to look at because I told Ariel I'd keep it short. (laughs) And that is, as we look at verse 24, there's going to be two, two benefits that I think will prepare us for the Lord's table. Notice verse 24. Now, In the New American Standard, it says, and to Jesus. But you have to understand that it's it's borrowing the verb from verse 22. But you have come, right? But you have come. And then a series of things that you've come to. Mount Zion. And then you've come to the city of the living God. You've come to the heavenly Jerusalem and so forth. And then finally, you've come to Jesus. The mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better now than the blood of Abel. And so the first benefit in coming to Jesus Christ is that you're coming to the mediator of the new covenant. And the benefit of that goes far beyond anything we could ever imagine. So in the context, to come to Jesus as mediator of the new covenant means we do not come to Sinai. 
We do not come to the law. We do not come to Moses. We don't go to that fiery mountain that speaks judgment. Every once in a while, we sing these words, indignant justice stood in view to Sinai's fiery mount I flew, but justice cried with frowning face, this mountain is no hiding place. You'll remember in Pilgrim's Progress, Christian runs into Mr. Legality, and how does he point him onward to the celestial city? Well, to climb up Mount Sinai, and Christian soon finds that that's a bad idea. When we come to Jesus as the mediator of the new covenant, we come to the very one who has fulfilled everything that Sinai could have ever demanded of us. It is absolutely true that, that the law tells us, do this and live. And it gives us a standard, which is a holy standard, and it's a righteous standard, but it's also a standard that must be met perfectly. And therefore, all of us come into this world with three strikes against us, and there's no way that we can actually fulfill the law of God. And so when we, when we say, okay, I'm not going to go to Sinai, I'm not going to go by way of the law, I'm going to go by way of Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, what we're saying is, I'm going to go to the one who actually fulfilled all of the laws just demands on my behalf. I don't have to go to Sinai. I have one who has fulfilled Sinai for me. And so we sing these words by John Newton. He has hushed the law's loud thunder. He has quenched Mount Sinai's flame. The same writer says in chapter 9, he says, but now once at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. It is actually in our Lord Jesus' priestly offering of himself that the law for us is forever silenced. And so what has Jesus done for us as he has fulfilled that law in our place? Well, he's actually opened up for us a way to God. He's opened up access to God. I loved, um, I love Daniel's illustration this morning, uh, about not being allowed to eat at a wedding. And I could just imagine Daniel with these longing eyes looking over at cheesecake and carbohydrates galore and realizing that he was forever stuck in the court of the Gentiles, never to be allowed access to all of those wonderful sweets, all right? And so, pathetic illustration. (laughs) By comparison, it was a good illustration, but by comparison, what, what Jesus has done for us is he has opened up for us the very gates of heaven. He's opened up for us access to the living God. And so the writer to the Hebrews says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence 
confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he's inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance. And so Jesus actually has opened up the holy place for us. And the, the overlap with this morning's sermon is, is really great. You should have kept going. <laughs> But notice this, confidence to enter by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. That is his flesh. And so to come to Jesus as the mediator of a new covenant is first of all to come to the one who's identified as God's final word. Long ago, in many parts, in many ways, God spoke to the fathers in the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us in son. Final, once for all. There is no revelation that goes beyond Jesus Christ, that's greater than Jesus Christ, that's better than Jesus Christ. To come to Jesus as the mediator of the new covenant is to come to him as God's final word, but it's also to come to him as the incarnate son who is now a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God. And so not only do you have the one who is who is the word incarnate, the final revelation, but you also have the one who is now a merciful merciful and faithful high priest, one who has been tempted in all ways just like us and yet without sin. And so his mercy and his compassion and his sympathy for us is, is, is really indescribable for us. As the mediator of a new covenant, Moses, Moses could have never related to the Israelite nation in the way that Jesus relates to his covenant people. He actually says to us, my compassion, my sympathy, my mercy towards you are because I have come in human flesh, lived a human existence, and there is, there is nothing that brings God closer to man than the incarnation. He's also the priest who serves on our behalf forever and ever lives to make intercession for us by an indestructible life. So I forget what year it was. Um, Vic and Bertie and I were in, um, were in Israel. And um, that's when I, we got news that Diane Gamble had died. And so we were in, um, we were in Jordan and one of the last sights that I got to see before trying to fly home was Mount Nebo. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. So you remember what happens. God actually tells Moses that you're, you, you can't enter into the promised land. You misrepresented me before the people. You can't enter into the promised land. And it was, it was a, it was a harsh sentence on Moses. But what God did is he took him up to the top of Mount Nebo so he could see the promised land from there. And then at age 120, Moses dies. When I come to Jesus as, as the mediator of a new and better covenant, I come to a mediator who can't die. 
I come to a mediator who's beaten death. I come to a mediator who has actually not only died, but come back to life. And now he ever lives to make intercession for us by the power of an indestructible life. By the way, that's the argument of the writer to the Hebrews is that you've got a big problem with the Old Testament priesthood. And that is they're sinners, but they also die. We need a high priest who's perfect and who never dies. And we have it in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he is the one who's offered up a better sacrifice. He is the one who has inaugurated a better covenant. He is the one who's done it based on better promises. He is the one that we come to who is both the offerer and the offering, the one who is none other than the author and perfecter of our faith. And so the first benefit that we have as we come to Jesus is that we come to a mediator of a new covenant, and that new covenant is so much more glorious than the old. In that covenant, everyone who's in that covenant knows the Lord from the least to the greatest. That means from the smallest of children to the most majestic of I was going to say politicians, but that sounds like an oxymoron. (laughs) Fill in the blank. Everybody in this covenant knows God. Everybody in this covenant has the law written on their heart. Everybody in this covenant has the spirit of God in them. Everybody in this covenant has actually experienced the new birth. Ezekiel 36, Jeremiah 31. This is the glory of the new covenant. And when you come to Jesus as the, as, as the mediator of the new covenant, hear these words. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which has been in acted on better promises. And so in that new covenant, we have so many blessings with Jesus as our mediator, so many blessings. But let me just remind you this afternoon of two. If you're in the new covenant, your sins are forgiven. He promises I will forgive your sins and your iniquities. I will remember no more. Memory for us may be the handmaiden to misery because our memories bring up our sins and remind us of our sins and we feel the, 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 the guilt and the shame of our sins. But when the Father brings us in to that new covenant, through the mediator of that new covenant, Jesus Christ, he says, what sins? I laid them all on my son. He paid for all of them. I will not remember them anymore. And the second great blessing is actually knowing God. To have the forgiveness of sins and to know God, there is nothing better in this life and there will certainly be nothing better in the life to come. And so if you're here and and you don't know that your sins are forgiven and, 
and you doubt that you know God, here's, here's the, the glorious news for you, is that there is a Savior who actually is continually inviting you to him, to believe in him, to embrace him, to accept him as, as your treasure, your king, your Lord, your savior, and to have all of the benefits accrue to you. And so here's, here's the amazing thing. When you come to believe in Jesus, knowing God is going to be, it's going to take a lifetime. Indeed, it'll take an eternity to know God, right? But there's also a sense when you enter into that new covenant, you know God. Right there. You now know God in a way that you never knew before. You now know God in, the, in a way that you didn't know three seconds before. God opens your eyes. To know God and the forgiveness of sins are two of the most beautiful benefits of coming to Jesus as the mediator of a new covenant. And in just a few minutes, we're going to eat bread and we're going to drink the fruit of the vine and we're going to recall the words, this is the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. Second, great benefit. And you've come to Jesus and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. The the blood of sprinkling, of course, goes back to the Old Testament. You see Moses actually ratifying the Old Covenant through the sprinkling of blood. It is that sacrifice and the sprinkling of blood which inaugurates the covenant. Well, the same is true of the New Covenant. The, The sacrifice which inaugurates the New Covenant is the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And once that sacrifice has been made... Once that uh, the, the sprinkling of blood has happened, atonement has been accomplished, and that covenant has been established with us forever. And so all that was necessary for our salvation to be accomplished was accomplished by Jesus himself through the sprinkling of blood. Okay. So we, we talk about, rightly so, the finished work of Christ. What that means is that everything necessary for you to be made right with God and for you to have eternal life and for you to live with God forever, everything that was necessary for that has already been done. There's not a single thing that you can do Add to the work of Christ. Yes, there's going to be different degrees of growth and sanctification, but take the take the, the most advanced believer in sanctification in this room and take the least advanced uh, uh, believer in sanctification in this room, and here you have this disparity of spiritual maturity and growth, and you know, here's the thing, is both are washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and both are on equal standing before the Father. 
Now, the one that's more mature and has advanced in sanctification more may be happier, okay, for sure, okay, but same ground because of the same sprinkled blood. But then the writer to the Hebrews says something that's, that's interesting. He says, you've come to the sprinkling of blood, and then he says this, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. In order to understand what the writer of the Hebrews is talking about, you, 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 have, to, you have to go back to the, the book of beginnings. And you have to think about those, those opening pages. So by the way, Abel, okay, his name, Havel, right? Brief, short, that's his lifespan. First one mentioned in the hall of faith in, in Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, first name. But you go back to that early chapter, chapters of Genesis, and what you have is, is, a, is a tragedy of all tragedies. So the fall occurs in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve are given a promise, the proto-euangelion, the first gospel promise, and it is this, and the seed of the woman is going to do what? Is going to crush the head of the serpent. He will crush your head. You will bruise his heel. And this was the promise. It would be the seed of the woman who would come and destroy the works of the devil. And so here's, it, it bred hope into Adam and Eve. So that in Genesis chapter 4, When she gives birth to Cain, do you know what she says? She says, I have gotten a man child at Yahweh. Et is a Hebrew direct object marker. And you go, grammar. Grammar's everything. What Eve is saying is, I've gotten a man-child, the Lord. She thinks that she had just given birth to the one who was going to crush the head of the serpent, and instead, she'd given birth to a serpent. Oh my goodness, can you imagine the disappointment? You ever think one of your kids are off the rocker, you just... Think about poor Eve. She gave birth to the first murderer. Not just any murderer. Fratricide. Killed his own brother. It's a tragic story, but there's something interesting that happens. Cain rises up, he kills Abel, righteous Abel. And God comes to Cain. He says, where's your brother? And Cain says, with an unbelievably calloused heart, what? What? Am I my brother's keeper? No, you're your brother's killer. 
then God says this. His blood is calling out to me from the ground. Abel's blood spoke. And what did it what did it speak? What did righteous Abel's blood cry out for? It cried out for justice. It cried out for vengeance. It cried out for for a curse. What does the blood of Jesus, our mediator, cry out for? The writer says, Jesus' blood speaks better than the blood of Abel. And so while Abel's blood cries out for justice, the one who offered himself up on our behalf, his sacrifice, his, his blood now speaks pardon, forgiveness, cleansing, mercy. It doesn't cry out for justice. It satisfies divine justice. It doesn't cry out for a curse. It removes the curse. And so what does, what does Jesus' blood, as it were, say to God? Jesus' blood says to God, Father, this one has been purified by my own blood. He's been completely forgiven. And the father who delights in the son and hears the son's blood speak, as it were, pardons that sinner on the son's behalf. What does the blood of Jesus say to us? Sinner, you've been washed. You've been cleansed. There's no condemnation. We don't sing this hymn nearly enough. That's a note for the pianists. Five bleeding wounds he bears, received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry. Don't let that ransomed sinner die. Old Thomas Goodwin, the Puritan, says, So the cry of blood from the ground may come up to heaven, yet the blood itself does not come there, as Christ already is there. Abel's blood cried for vengeance to come down out of heaven, but Christ's blood cries us up into heaven. The blessings that are ours when we come to Jesus, the blessings of a new mediator of a new covenant, New covenant in his blood, security, safety. As we take communion, there are going to be some of you and you're going to, you're going to hesitate because you think to yourself, I really didn't walk with Jesus very well this week. I've said some things that I feel profoundly ashamed of. You're going to hesitate because you think, all week long, I, I neglected God. I neglected his word. I neglected prayer. 
Brothers and sisters, your acceptance with God depends on one thing and one thing only. And that is that the blood of Jesus speaks pardon and forgiveness to you. Did you repent of those things? The answer is obviously yes. But not even your repentance, not even your repentance earns you merit with God. And so we sing also regularly, let not conscience make you linger, nor fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requires is to feel your need of him. And so as we come to the table, if you're in Christ, eat and drink freely because you have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and you've come to one whose blood speaks better than the blood of Abel. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, how we thank you for the Lord Jesus and how we pray that you would forgive us for all the times that we've neglected the Son of God. And we pray, Father, for those today who agonize over their sin. Father, in, in many ways, it's, it's good It's good to hate our sin. It's good to fight our sin. But Father, we pray today that they would hear the blood of Jesus speak pardon and peace to them right where they are. We thank you for our great high priest in whose name we pray. Amen. We hope that you were edified by this message. For additional sermons, as well as information on giving to the ministry of Grace Community Church, please visit us online at gracenevada.com. That's gracenevada.com.